Welcome to the West Point Church Podcast. Here you can find past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates as soon as those sermons are posted. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good week. Talking about friendship. And uh, we're in this series called Fight. And one of the things that we believe is worth fighting for is friendship. Uh, friendship is something that's, that's so important, that's so significant, and honestly neglected in a lot of our lives. And so we're going to look at the biblical example of David and Jonathan. They're probably um, the best example of friendship in the entire Bible. And we're going to look at, at their story and how their friendship uh, really came, uh, was, was really challenged by the circumstances that they were living in and how they, they chose to, to fight for that friendship uh, through this process. You know, what's incredible to me is, have you ever seen how little kids make friends before, right? I, I have a couple of daughters and, uh, you know, the same thing uh, applied with them. In fact, I remember when we just moved to Delano, our next door neighbor uh, came by and just knocked on our door. And, and she's like, hey, you have kids at your house? Right? Like, <laughs> and and uh, she was the same age as Kayla, and I mean, they were both, I think, six years old at the time, just going into first grade. And, and they're like, hey, you want to be friends? Yeah, let's be friends. And I mean, like, they've been very close friends for a number of years now. Uh, kids just go up to each other at the playground. They're like, hey, you want to play with me? You know, I'm, it's, it's only later on in life that we make things more complicated, right? We make it more difficult. It's, it's not just, hey, you want to be friends anymore? It's like, ah, there's so many reasons why, like, I have other things to do. And, and we just fail to miss the importance of friendship. You know, at the same way, one of the things that kids also teach us about friendship is how easily sin interrupts a healthy friendship and relationship. So, for example, one of them will get mad at the other person, and what's the thing that they always say? You're not my friend anymore. Right? And so now you have this barrier, this separation, until, you know, they get lonely and then they want to be friends again. And then, like, it's just, it's just constantly in a state of flux. So um, there are a lot of things that, that we can learn through that process. But I, I, I want to talk about what a healthy biblical friendship looks like this morning. And I want to talk about why it's so important. Why it's so important to have those healthy relationships. Because if, if we allow the circumstances of our life to dictate what friendship looks like for us. We're going to be in a constant state of frustration and we're not going to have those healthy relationships that are so important to building that, that um, safety, that, that environment where we can be healthy. So let's look at what a true friendship looks like and we're going to look at the example of Jonathan and David and now just to give you a little bit of context about Jonathan and David, um, they had a complicated relationship. All right, so just Saul was king of Israel and Saul was Jonathan's dad. Okay, and David was just, was from a, a shepherding family. He wasn't um, from a significant family in any way. He was the youngest of his family. Um, his brothers didn't even really think a lot of him until he had this incredible moment where as a, as a 
boy, he essentially defeated the greatest enemy, the giant Goliath, right? And we all know that story. And he, he threw a rock with a sling at Goliath and, and killed him and made this great victory for Israel. Well, his, his uh, growth only accelerated from there. And unknown to the king at the time, David had already been anointed his successor. And so Saul, wanting that throne to go to his son, Jonathan, now had this rival for his son, David. And David's success continued from that victory against Goliath, and he ended up being one of the great military leaders in Saul's army. And he had victory after victory. And so through that process, he became close friends with Jonathan, Saul's son. Now you can imagine that got really complicated because Saul's jealousy ultimately um, led them to, to view David as the enemy to Jonathan's succession as king. But Jonathan's friendship with David was stronger than the circumstances that they were in. And so we're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel 18, and we're going to read the first five verses of this chapter, and this will really give us a picture of the relationship that these two had. And so here's what it says. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of of Saul's servants. All right, so I want to give you three things that we can learn from this passage about real friendship, about what that looks like. And the first one is that the foundation of real friendship is love. Now, in our culture today, and we still have kind of this idea that guys uh, and love, those, those two things just don't necessarily fit together perfectly, and we have a hard time expressing that love for one another. But David and Jonathan didn't really have that problem. In fact, it's said that their souls were knit together. That's a pretty incredible statement. That shows how close their friendship was. If you want to know who your closest friends are, just ask yourself this question. Who can I actually be honest with? Like, who can I actually share what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, the things that I'm going through? Those people, those relationships are your closest friends. So if you have friends where you can be honest with, and then you have friends at church who you have to pretend to be someone else with, then those aren't your closest relationships. Does that make sense a little bit? Like, we struggle to have that level of transparency and honesty with other people because we might, they might think differently about us if they knew the truth. And I'll ask this question, but if that's your view of your relationship with that person, do you really have a 
close friendship with them or is it a superficial one? The fear of rejection sometimes causes our friendships and our relationships to be superficial. And, you know, the truth is you can confront a real friend with something going on in their life because the friendship means more than the hurt feelings. The friendship bond is strong enough that you can tell them the truth without worrying about the relationship being severed because they know that you have their best interest at heart. Now, I think there are some really strong friendships that sometimes when this happens, maybe it's not done in the right way or maybe it's just something that somebody needs to deal with and, and they're unwilling to do so. And there are times where those real friendships are hurt by these situations or even lost by these situations. But if you're a real friend, you know that the truth is important enough to tell them that even at the risk of losing the relationship. And that can be a really hard thing to do. It can be a really hard thing to walk through. Proverbs 8, 20, 18, 24 says this about friends. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So you can have a lot of relationships that are all superficial. You can have a whole a lot of friends, but if they're not willing to tell you the truth, then those friendships won't do much for you when you're challenged with something in your life. But if you have one friend who's willing to speak the truth to you, it creates um, a level of friendship that's greater than a bunch of superficial relationships. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Real relationships, real friendships, they care about each other, they love each other enough that they're willing to speak the truth to them. And they're willing to point them in the right direction, even if it may hurt their feelings. So real friendships are founded on love, but they're also, they also require commitment. It says in, in 1 Samuel, the passage that we just read, that Jonathan made a covenant with David. He made him a promise. It was something that, that both parties agreed to. This, this covenant was an, a binding agreement that their friendship would be something that would last. They committed to each other. You know, real friendships take a level of commitment to make them work. Every single one of us, if, if we allow our schedule to, to rule our lives, we won't have time for friendships. That's just the truth. If we, if we um, this is probably the most common excuse as to, to why relationships fade, why relationships dwindle. People will say, I just don't have time for that anymore. We don't have time to get together anymore. If it's important enough to you, you will find time for it. Right? We find time for the things that we care about most. Now, I would say, I would venture a guess that, that most of us in this room live lives with busy schedules and, and demands for our time. But if there's something that you want to do badly enough, you'll find a way to fit it into your schedule. Right? Most of us are going to find time to watch the Vikings today. I, does it matter to the Vikings if you watch or not? Do they even care? 
No, they're still going to play their game. Nothing's going to change. The outcome is not going to change whether or not you watch it. It's not important to them, but it's important to you. So you find time to do it, right? And, and for the things that matter most to us, we make our schedule work. Friendships should be important enough that we find time in our schedule for them. It may mean that we need to sacrifice something else to make it work. But really, if it's something that's worth fighting for, we'll find time to do that. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. In other words, if you're trying to do it by yourself, and you're trying to do that without friendships, without relationships, without people that are close to you in your life, everything that you do is going to be more difficult. So you might think, I don't have time for it, but the truth is, you don't have time not to have friendships. Because everything you do is going to be more difficult, it's going to be harder. But when you bring somebody else alongside you and you have a friend that you can rely on, now not only uh, do you have that support and that encouragement, but you're more productive too. You need those relationships in your life. You need those friendships. You need someone to come alongside you because inevitably when you're struggling, when you fall, when you're going through something difficult, you need that person next to you to to pick you up. And you can do the same thing for them. Real friendships require commitment. And the last one is that real friendships require sacrifice. Now, Jonathan gave David a gift. And this gift would have been no small thing. He gave him his robe and his armor and even his sword. Jonathan was the king's son. That meant that Jonathan had the best. Okay? He had the best armor. He had the best robe. He had the best sword. And his friendship meant enough for him that he was willing to sacrifice that so that David would now carry that armor and that sword and that robe. Are we willing to sacrifice for our friendships? Are we willing to give of ourselves and our time to better someone else? You know, I think the people who struggle the most to have healthy friendships are the people that don't know how to be a good friend. When someone knows how to be a good friend, they always have friends around them. Right? If you learn how to be a good friend first, then you'll have people that are willing to be good friends to you as well. It starts with your decision to say, I'm going to sacrifice my personal benefit to, to help someone else. And when I do that in return, people will, will befriend me. It takes that commitment, it takes that sacrifice, it takes that decision, it takes that initiation sometimes. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, odds are you won't have to die for your friends and literally lay down your life, but are you willing to lay down the things that are important to you 
in order to benefit someone else? Are you willing to show God's love to your friends so that they can experience that benefit of friendship? It starts with your choice to do that. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That's when real friendship is revealed. When challenges in life come, when hardship comes, who's the person that's going to stick with you? When you make a dumb choice, who's the person that loves you regardless of that choice? That will reveal that friendship. So, back to David and Jonathan. They, like I said, they had a complicated story. In fact, right after this chapter, in, in chapter 19, shares the story of Saul, Jonathan's father, trying to kill David. Now, maybe your best friend's dad hasn't tried to kill you yet. I hope that's the case. But how many know that could be a little bit more complicated than just a normal friendship, right? Like they had a difficult situation. And so he tried to kill David. David escaped. What does David do? He goes to his friend Jonathan. And in chapter 20, he's like, Hey, Jonathan, what did I do? Right? Like, and Jonathan was like, no, I can't believe that my dad would want to kill you. Right? Like, no, no. I, listen, I know he's, he's got a little bit of a temper, but he's not going to try to kill you, David. Just relax. And David's like, no, I'm telling you the truth. And so they talk a little bit more, and Jonathan reaffirms his commitment to David in this moment. And they come up with a plan. And so Jonathan is going to tell his dad that, that David's not going to be at this, this feast because he's heading to Bethlehem to make a sacrifice. And so their plan is, well, if Saul is cool with that, then Saul's probably not trying to kill David. But if Saul gets upset because David's not going to be there, we know we got a problem, right? So we're going to pick up the story there in verse 12. And, and what I want us to notice in this, in this passage is something about David or more about something that he doesn't do. What he doesn't do is ask Jonathan to choose him over his father. Because that would be a really easy thing to do. Hey, your father's a psychopath and he wants to kill me. Why don't you come hang out with me and leave him? Like that would be a rational suggestion. But David had an understanding that Jonathan's family came first. And so we don't choose friendships over our family. We don't sacrifice our family on the altar of friendship. But at the same time, Jonathan's commitment to David never wavered. So verse 12, here's what it says. Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow on the third day, behold, if he is well disposed towards David, shall I not send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan and more also if I do not disclose it to you and send you away. So he's saying, listen, I'm not going to reject my father, but if I don't tell you about it, may the Lord do the same to me what he would do to you. That you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And if I'm still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. 
And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. For when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan is recognizing David's position with God and his ultimate plan for David to succeed Saul as king of Israel. And he's, he's making an agreement with David and he's saying, I'm going to warn you, I'm going to keep you alive, but when I'm gone, take care of my family. And Jonathan made another covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. There's that phrase again, right? Then Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you'll be missed because your seat will be empty. On the third day, go down quickly to the place where you hid yourself, for the matter was in hand, and remain behind the stone heap. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will say, Send the boy, saying, Go find the arrows. And if I say to the boy, Look, the arrows are on this side of you. Take them. Then you are to come. For as the Lord lives, it's safe for you, and there's no danger. But if I say to the youth, Look, the arrows are beyond you. Then go, for the Lord has sent you away. Now, I always wondered about this, because like, what if Jonathan would have shot the arrows a little bit short? And the boy's going to look for the arrows, and he's like, look, the arrows are beyond you. He's like, no, they're right here, Jonathan. They're short. Trust me. <laughs> I was, thought that was kind of funny. Um, and as a matter of which I, you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. That's the key right there. When a friendship is founded on the relationship we have with God, when that is what holds the bond together, that friendship will last. That friendship will be meaningful. That friendship will be significant. That friendship will be important. If it's based on circumstances and superficial things, I've had a lot of friendships that have come and gone because they just happened to you know, be based on what I was going through at that point in my life or where I was or, or what I was doing and our circumstances brought us together and they were a superficial friendship. But those friendships don't last when the friendship is based on our relationship with God and that friendship is founded in the Lord when He's the thing that links us together. Then that friendship will last. Now if you read the rest of the story... Saul lost his mind when he found David wasn't going to be there. So Jonathan did as he promised. <coughs> Apparently he shot the arrows exactly where he wanted to. Told the boy, they're, they're beyond you. David knew that was his warning. That was his clue that Saul was going to try to kill him. And the story continues and, and through a few twists and turns, David comes back into favor with Saul and then Saul tries to kill him again. I mean, it's a really complicated soap opera here. Right? And throughout all that, throughout all that turmoil, throughout all that tragedy, throughout all that frustration and all that craziness, David and Jonathan maintained their friendship. So that when the time came when, when Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, and David found out about that. 
he wrote a song about them. I want you to read what he had to say as the worship team comes. 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 23 through 27. David had just found out the news about Saul and Jonathan. This is verse 23. It says, Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet, who put on ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen. In the midst of the battle, Jonathan lies slain in your high places. I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant you have been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Now that's some love right there. How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. That's a relationship worth fighting for. Listen, church, if we're going to be successful, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, if we're going to build the kingdom of God in our community, then we need to do it together. It is not good enough to come to church on a Sunday morning and worship God and sing songs and acknowledge who He is because God designed you with a need for the people sitting next to you. And it is not sufficient to just have a relationship with Him. He's called us to more than that. He's called us to be part of the body of Christ. And being part of the body of Christ means we're joined together. And it means we need to have friendship. It means we need to have relationship. It means we need to have connection with each other. Because if we don't, it just makes it that much easier for the enemy to manipulate us and to lie to us and to deceive us. You need each other. It drives me crazy when I talk to people and they, they know all the right things to say and they, they understand what it means to have a relationship with God, but they're like, I just don't feel like I need to be part of a church. Yes, you do, right? You need to be with other believers because God didn't design you to do it alone. He designed you to need each other and if nothing else, you're needed by the rest of the body of Christ. So don't be satisfied with the surface relationship with other Christians. Do you have people in your life that you can talk to about the things that matter the most? And do you have friends that love you enough that even when you mess up, they're going to show you God's unconditional love in that circumstance? If you can't answer yes to that question, then it's time to start reaching out. You gain friends by being a friend. 
okay? You have to take that first step. You have to take that initiation. And as you're vulnerable and as you're, you're allowing yourself to, to essentially be exposed in some ways, I believe that God will honor that with some incredible relationships. In this room right now, there are some awesome people. Some people that could be amazing friends. We need each other. We need friends that aren't just friends, but that are believers. That the thing that unites our relationship is our relationship with the Lord first. So what God has got to come first, right? And then he's given us our families. Let's not, in the pursuit of of healthy relationships with God and healthy relationships with our families, neglect our friendships because God has designed us to do it together.